$2 late fee, you have one new message. Hello? Am I, say, am I on the phone? This is, this is Misha. I'm calling you from uh, my home. Hello? Can you hear what I'm saying? My, my Russian accent is really bad right now because it's been such a long time since I played Misha. But I hope that you all have a very good time. I'm so sorry about what we are doing in the world. Hello? Before there was IMDB.com, there was Zach and Dustin. Congrats! You found $2 Late Fee, the best 80s movies podcast in the world. We revisit our favorite 80s movies. And sometimes 90s. And soundtracks from our youth. And then we interview our favorite people who help make them. All in the spirit of nostalgic positivity. Thanks for listening. You know, Dustin, there's so many actors we've had on this show where people go, oh, I know that guy from this thing, or not, oh, I know that guy from that thing. But maybe they don't know the name, or they know the face, or they know the name, but not the face, or blah, blah, blah. Today's guest, Whip Hubley, is a guy that you've seen in the 80s, in the 90s, in so many shows, TV shows, movies. Uh, he pops up, and he always pops out for his performance. You just heard the week before, Dustin, myself, and Dustin's brother, Lance Rubin. Search Lance Rubin's books on Amazon. Denton Little's Death Date is one in particular you guys should all check out. And by the way, just you, you made an interesting point, which I feel like having, you know, we've done this podcast now for four years. Most of the time people are like, you know, who's your latest guest? And I, you know, I, I say the name and they're like, um... You know, and then you show the picture and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's always like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That is a common thread um, with this podcast. It's one of the things that makes our podcast, I think, really cool because we really deep dive into those folks. And I think Whip, you know, Whip is one of those guys. It's like, of course, you know him. He was in Top Gun. He was Hollywood in Top Gun. And he was Misha in Ruski's, the aforementioned episode that we just talked about that we did last last week. So... Whip has basically, um, you know, similar to to Jill Sholin last month, you know, was kind of out of the scene for a bit, a little bit retired, retired to Maine with his family. He talks a lot about just every aspect of his career, why he moved to where he's living now, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I was thinking last month was July. This month we could call Aug Whip. Oh, no. no. Okay, anyways, uh, Whip did, obviously, he did a $2 six question segment with us that you'll hear next week. And whoo, baby, there's a hot take in regards to a very famous action star from the 80s and 90s. And you're going to love that one. I just want to say, you mentioned the $2 six questions next week. It's a, if, you're a, if you're a Patreon, if, you know, if you're thinking of becoming a pa- patron, join up. Patreon.com slash $2 late fee as low as $5 a month, you can get in. We'll ask your questions. It's always our guest favorite part, hands down. Always, always, always. And I'm just going to throw this out too. We do our live trivia on our YouTube channel. We've got the show Tales from the Video Store unboxing. Why does Zach own this? There's so much more content to get on our Patreon. So go check it out. If you're on the fence, hop over the fence. 
But without further ado, let's get to Whip Hubley. Hello. Hello. Whip. Hello. <laughs> there you guys are. Hey, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Very nice to meet you guys. Thanks for taking the time and carving out a little bit of bit of room for us. Well, that's good. I uh, just um, got back from work. You know, I'm living up in uh, Portland, Maine now, and uh, I work for a company uh, for the last six years that does construction, but I am kind of like managing stuff. So, oh, gotcha. I got a pretty okay. full schedule. Um, but there's nothing better than bowing out early. Bowing out early to talk about you. To nostalgia. <laughs> talk about me. Nostalgia. Come on. With us. Uh, yeah. Do you do you enjoy the the management? Oh well, you know it's one of those damn things that you got to do in life. And um, you know when I first came here, my wife and I drove east in 2015 after you know something like 30 years out in California. Wow. And the kids had all grown up and everything. And and I figured I was um, finished with it to a certain degree. I mean, I think that was my frame of mind at that point. Um, kind of ready to move on to a different chapter, entering a new phase of life and all that. And then, uh, you know, and then one thing has come up after another. Uh, here, after about three years, people started reaching out and sending me scripts for plays that they were doing mm. and i started to get to know the theater uh scene here which is pretty um vital scene you know um there's some That's your roots, stuff right? going on here I love it. And, uh, and then you know one thing led to another and i just you know i've clocked about six plays now oh cool and um and then you know of course this top gun thing came out last year or so or actually, you know, that had kind of come up before because, right. yeah, uh, you know, when they got wind of the fact that I had been in Top Gun, then, you know, the theater that I was doing here all of a sudden started exploiting that. Oh, I bet. <laughs> right. And then it became sort of like the, you know, the, the, it's the Portland Press Herald. It's the local paper. Oh, that's fun. And, you know, I walked into my coffee shop one morning and there was like on the front page, you know, and uh oh no <laughs> it's it's weird it it is it's weird um well listen i don't want to you know i don't know if you're not starting is this is not a live thing right no we're, we're gonna drop this uh in a couple months to coincide with uh ruskies we're gonna be talking about ruskies on our show so is it pronounced ruskies or ruskies when you when you well, were i always called it ruskies but a lot of people say ruskies and then my last name is Hubley, even though everybody calls me Hubley because that's the way it's spelled. My name's Schaefer, but people call me Schaffer all the time. So. Yeah, I guess yours looks like it because it's got two Fs, yeah? Yeah, but but then people are like, you spelled it wrong. And I go, well, yeah. your face well. is wrong. So Your face <laughs> is wrong. I feel like, uh, right, from the Russian perspective, it's got to be Ruskis. Ruski, yeah. Right, Ruski. Yeah, they would say Paruski. You know, so Ruskies, yeah. I mean, I always called it a Ruskies, but I'm not surprised to hear. Well, right. Ruskies seems like the Americanized version. Well, you know, the problem is Zach's got two Fs in his name, so everything's <laughs> upside down for him. It is. I'm a little, uh, right. you know, I got a chip on my shoulder. Right. So. 
But Schaffer, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would never intuitively call you Schaffer. No, I like grew up drinking Schaefer beer, so there you, know, you go. Different right. Spelling, right? Yeah. Different. I think it's one F and an AE in there too. Different so. spelling. <laughs> right. Did you um, did you grow up in Montclair, New Jersey? No, I grew up in New York City, and then my my we you know the family split up, and uh, I moved with my mother out to Montclair, New Jersey, where I went to high school. Okay, so it was high school, high yeah. school only. Got it, got it. I'm originally from New Jersey, and my sister, brother-in-law, and nephew are now moving to Montclair. And they're really, you know, giving me the hard sell because they're like, there's so much great in Montclair. And then, of course, I saw that you had some Montclair connection. And I'm like, is the universe speaking to me about Montclair? Well, maybe. I yeah. mean, you know, there, Montclair, I think, is a very nice town. Um, it was a very white bread town when I was there back in the 70s. But I think it's probably, you know, become a little more sophisticated. It, yes. It, from what I understand, it's a little more it's, diverse. And Yeah, so. it seems to be a... Um, you know, very upscale, I think, in some parts, probably some more affordable parts of it. But, uh, you know, it seems to be a real suburb of New York City now, as opposed to, right. you know, when I moved there, I sort of felt like I was out in the outer limits. <laughs> but that's because right. I was I grew up in New York City. Yes. Where, you know, that famous Steinberg New Yorker cover which was, you know, Manhattan and then the rest of the world. It was like, right. you know, our, we were very city centric when I was a kid growing up. I mean, that's just I think it's kind of a New York state of mind as as the poet said. As the poet Billy Joel once said. Yeah, right. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you spent a spell out in Santa Monica, right? Did you live out in Santa Monica? Well, we lived there for, yeah, most, I mean, all of my kids grew, they were born in Santa Monica. Uh, two of them were born. I have two daughters. Uh, uh, Molly and Ella are now like 33 and 32. And, um, and then uh, Ben was born actually down in Australia uh, oh. five years after Ella. Uh, cause I was doing a flipper TV show down there. Yep. That's right. Which was, you know, just a total blast. I can imagine. I mean, it was a goofy, goofy show. It's not something I recommend watching, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you were the, you were, you were the sheriff. Yeah. I was the, you know, Tom Hampton, I was the uh, search and rescue sheriff and the dad. So I had those two roles going, you know? So, I mean, it was, you know, tons of fun for an immature grown-up. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was lots of fun for my kids who were five and seven at the time. And it was fun for my wife, too, who had uh, left a really intense job at Paramount Studios and prior to that uh, at Saturday Night Live. Mm. Um, and when she, you know, when I came to her with this possibility, I said, how would you like to move to australia for a little while she said yes because right at that time she was working at paramount she had done uh you know lauren michaels movies there um or her name is dynamite it and um, yeah. she uh, you know produced all of the the wayne's world movies and then the tommy boy movie and black sheep and a couple of other interesting things like lassie and Stuart saves his family and stuff like that 
but then uh you know she uh, well paramount was going through sort of a restructuring and all of a sudden she had this guy looking over her shoulder mm. when she was writing memos and just used to calling her own shots and she was ready to get out of there and uh, and when this uh, flipper job came up it was really exciting for both of us to just kind of shake it up although it was you know i mean it was kind of low rent i suppose um you know you're doing an off it was it was a syndicated job offshore um at that time it was dis distributed by um tribune which made it kind of mainstream but then yeah. when i went back for the last two uh two seasons it was taken over by something called the paxnet do you remember them mm. No. Oh, PAX. Yeah. PAX TV or whatever. Yeah, PAX. PAX TV. Yep. Kind of uh, pretty fringe. You yep. Know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a, a Christian twist to it, I think. Oh, interesting. Kind yeah. of slipped in there under the radar. You know, the next thing yeah. I knew, I was saying grace at dinner with the kids. <laughs> oh, no. no that's I mean, all right. You know, that's I mean, good. that's wonderful. Yeah. It's good for some people. <laughs> Yeah. It ran for uh, almost four seasons, didn't it? Didn't it? Uh, well, I did three, and it did. There was a fellow, I can't remember his name, but he had played the part before me. He was on China Beach. Do you remember? Is it Brian Wimmer? Brian Wimmer. Brian Wimmer, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good for you. Thanks. And um, <laughs> Good for you. so he had done the job before me, and I don't know what happened with that. Maybe he didn't want to go back or something like that. And then I think they kind of like cheesed it up. I think it had been um, shot in Florida uh, the first season, and it was a little bit more um, mainstream kind of thing. But then when uh, Village Roadshow took it over and um, a guy named Jeff Hayes was our producer, and he had this whole little world down in Australia. He was like a... I don't know. There was something that reminded, did you ever read any of the Joseph Conrad books? Like Victory or mm. Jim, these kind okay. of like expatriate guys, like back in the, you know, 19th century, I think is when these were set. But it was always some guy, oh, um, like uh, Heart of Darkness was Joseph Conrad. Yeah. So yeah. it's a guy that goes into some, you know, alien world and creates an empire for himself and that's the way i looked at jeff hayes who kind of had you know the corner on things you know and he got the good exchange on the currency and all of that and so that's nice. why it ended up down in australia shooting for florida the keys you know yep and it was beautiful and it was really one of the greatest times of our uh, you know, I mean, everybody looks back at that period as just being one of the most fun things we mm. did. And it's one of the things that I loved about doing that job was you got to go live in a different place. I mean, very often I was off on my own, you know, but in yeah. this case, I was able to take the kids and my wife and, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. It really was. That's so great. So did you did you put the kids in school there? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, they were at a school in uh, the Palisades called the Village School. I almost worked at that school. I was a kindergarten teacher for many years. So. Oh, good for you. Wow, that's nice. Back in the day. And you're not doing that now? 
No, I, when my son was born, I, I quote unquote retired from teaching to focus on voice acting and being a full-time dad. So, uh, that's my greatest job now. Yeah. And is the full-time mom around too? She is. She not, is. Not uh, to get you know, too she, personal, but no, no, no. It's all good. She, she flipped. We, we flipped the script on the, uh, the stereotypical, uh, you know, good. hunter yeah. gatherer or whatever. And, sure. uh, I'm the one who makes the meals at night and makes sure everything is Excellent. locked up in that sense. So good for you. Keeps the but ship yeah, running. I, could, I mean, it's very dual. Like we have very, it's a very balanced relationship to get personal. <laughs> it's a she very comes balanced home, relationship. She's like, give me a beer. You know, yeah. why isn't my dinner ready? <laughs> yeah. And then she slaps yeah. him around for a little bit. Like, my plate's not hot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Why isn't the plate warm? Right. Yes. I, I, I'm curious if uh, you ever want to take Flipper in a darker direction. Be like, uh, there's a f funny com uh, comedian named Brian Regan who did a whole bit on Flipper. If Flipper had an evil brother named Zipper with right. a big scar down the face, you know, so you could channel your Chief Brody from Jaws, and uh... <laughs> that would be great. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's. I think Flipper has enough of a dark side as it is. You really, <laughs> really, yeah. There were four dolphins, and I remember, you know, you had to pick one according to its mood of the day. You know. So, Dustin, what's your deal? Are you uh, in this business too? In as an actor? Or? Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm primarily. I'm a full time voice actor at this point, but I I produced TV for years and years and years, primarily non-scripted doc stuff. And right. um, yeah, and just kind of had enough of that. Dustin, were you at MTV when Dead at 21 was on? Um, what year was, was Dead that... at 21? That was 90... Mid-90s. Mid-90s. 94? Yeah, I think it was their first uh, series. It was it a guy was. named Rod Taylor who produced it. Did you know him? Rod Taylor, like the actor? Yeah, but you know, like the actor, a different but, Rod. Yeah, I did not know Rod. He was a character, you know, and I think he had conceived of that uh, idea, which was cool. But I guess it didn't fly really for some reason. I mean, it certainly was fun to do. I love the concept. It was great. Yeah, and I remember the kid who was the star of it, Jack Noseworthy. I remember him yes. at the rap party. You know got really drunk and came up and put his arm around me and said, whip, we're taking off, man. This is it. Yeah. Take it off, whip. Yeah, this is it. And our it. lives are going to change now. And I was, you know, a little bit oh, more boy. seasoned. And I said, well, yeah. you never know, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Keep drinking, enjoy your night. But uh, That's right. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, what you're both is, so you're both doing voice acting? Yeah, D Dustin's my mentor. Um, I, we were introduced through a mutual friend, yeah, former parent that uh, of a child that I taught, who's a senior now, which is crazy. My you God. know, I, I'm very much a believer in everything happening for a reason. Uh, yeah. Meeting, making connections, and meeting people—it all matters. And if you don't look at the signs, then you know you you yeah. miss out on a great opportunity. And Dustin and I met. Then became fast friends and started doing the show together. We have a, a mutual love of very obscure 80s everything. Like right. Ruskies. I get it. 
you know, and so I don't know why. I mean, first of all, I barely ever look at Instagram or whatever it was. Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Instagram. Yeah. And I think you might have communicated with me way before I responded. Yeah, but, like a year or so ago. Yeah, I know. Oh, and wow. it's only because I just never, because I don't have it as an alert. Right. And, no, you same. know, every now and then I stumble across something and then I see something that somebody wrote that was, you know, like, you know, like deserved a response, you know. And well, I thanks for deserving my response. Well, no, I mean, it's great, you know. And then, and then also, you know, with this whole new Maverick thing coming out, I was kind of caught up in some of it, you know, like the local we have a show called 207 on the nbc affiliate here and um this guy named rob came into my house with his cameraman and you know shot me with this like fluorescent light you know in my yeah. living room my wife is so pissed at me i mean you're down <laughs> in my basement here so um but uh he, you know he, he pronounced my name uh hubbly the entire uh, yeah, interview yeah, yeah. no uh, really? man yeah i know and he felt so bad about it afterwards he really apologized i think his connection at the station was my neighbor and she might have gotten my name wrong and i think there was a good explanation for it but it is journalism 101 i suppose it is it is and you know yeah. not to not to like toot our own horn for a moment but we are uber fanboys of of people's work so when we have you on the show it's it's to to us it's like yeah top gun hollywood yeah. that's great but there's so much more to your career or so much more to who you are as a person yeah. uh, that we want to dig a little bit deeper in that respect well it's interesting because you know with this all of this stuff about the new maverick and then there was a lot of press about that and then i get ended up doing some of these interviews and um, you know, it's fun to kind of be reminded of it. And, you know, when I heard that they were making a sequel before yeah. the pandemic, I actually, you know, I thought about, hmm, maybe, what should I like do anything about this or what? And then I thought, yeah, come on, don't be an idiot. You know, I had a good re relationship with Don Simpson primarily, but he's no longer here. But, uh, then Jerry, Bruckheimer was uh, very, you know, I was very friendly with him. And um, and so I just called him up. I don't, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, you just, uh, every now yeah. and then you're kind of called upon to do something that's like a move to the hoop, you know? And I, and yeah. I just, I called him up and his assistant answered and then took my number and then he called me right back, you know? And he was just, we had a really nice conversation. And at that point, I just said, look, Jerry, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you're much more aware of this than I am, uh, especially looking at your bank account. But <laughs> this movie has followed me everywhere for yeah. years, you know, and I keep getting called back to do the 25th anniversary down at Miramar or the 30th anniversary uh, some press thing in Hollywood and, you know, it, and it's phenomenal. And it's something that even though when we were all cast in that movie, we knew that we were doing something that was going to be big, but none of us really knew who Tom Cruise was at that point. And it kind of had the feeling that even though, because I remember going in on about five auditions on this movie that were spread, you know, over six months or something like that. 
Wow. You would just keep putting it on the back burner or forget about it. And then you get called in again. And, um, and it, I, as I recall, I could be bullshitting completely, but as I recall, <laughs> it, make sure it's uh, good. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I might've made this up cause I like the story, but I think it was called top guns when it was first written. And it was much more of an ensemble thing about yeah. fighter pilots and their lives on and off the base and mm-hmm. how their work affected their family lives and all of that kind of stuff. And then I just remember getting to that set and uh, throughout the course of the shooting, just seeing how they were treating Tom. And I think Risky Business might have been coming out at the same time. You I think probably, so, or the year yeah. before, yep. Yeah, and so all of a sudden he was just going through the roof, and I think they really saw what they had, and they made it much more his story. Mm. And uh, but you know, as like I say, I could be wrong about that. I don't know. I mean, I know that my character Hollywood had all sorts of great little, you know, it was not exactly my sense of uh, humor or sensibility because it was all about like kind of you know kinky sex shit with lots of zippers and twin sisters and stuff like that (laughs) which you know i mean yeah there's a place for that but i just don't there is that that sort of thing (laughs) but at least i just kind of played into that that was why i was called hollywood you know yeah and um that's funny yeah, and it was, you know, but then uh, those those scenes that we shot every time I would go back and see Tony Scott in some post-production thing, it was like, oh, sorry, mate. You know, what about that scene? Of the, oh, oh, you didn't hear about that? I'm sorry. Oh, no. Yeah, so, you know, it came, it, it turned out to be snippets. He just so kept it's whittling you. What's that? They just kept whittling your, your scenes oh, down. Yeah. Yes, as they do. Yes. So, you know, they probably had six hours of film in the first cut and they had to get it down to, you know, because you had to leave a lot of room for that exchange of saliva in silhouette. Do you remember (laughs) in that love scene? Sure do. Yep. Which looks really awkward now. (laughs) It really does. It's very dated. Uh, It did not age well. Yeah, it doesn't. And none of it ages well. And it's funny because one of my daughters, my (laughs) daughter, Ella, who I said is 32, she did go to that last thing. It was some, I think the 30th anniversary and there was some Hollywood thing that we had to do. And she was out there. So I got her to come along with me. And it was really the first time she had watched the movie. Oh, no. She sat next to me and watched it. And you could just tell she was cringing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, I wasn't watching uh, Species with her. Oh, boy. That would have been a bummer. I think I watched that with my wife, and that was not a comfortable moment. I can imagine. Um, right, really. Yeah. But, you know, it, doesn't, it just didn't age that well, that movie. I mean, I think they did a good job with the second one. Yeah. Know, yeah. Agreed. Bringing it up to date, you know. I, was, I mean, that, that, there's a lot of films that... We actually, that's one of the things we talk about on our show. We try to find the the silver lining in some of these films that haven't aged well, whether it be dialogue. So, right. for example, in in, in Ruskis, um, you know, the relationship that the boys have is, a well, for lack of a better term, it, it's it's like kind of 
throwing out certain derogatory terms that are not okay now at each other was a thing in the 80s that was yeah. very common, I think. Oh, my God. I mean, look at all of the Porky's humor and the, you know, um, you know, uh, Animal House and stuff. And in, in, in a way, I, I'm kind of sad about that some of that's gone because I just feel like we have to be so careful now. We can't, you know, my daughter is a, Ella is a musician and a rock and roller, and but she's teaching oh, cool. at a very progressive school in Ojai. And oh, she, nice. she's just an amazing kid. And she uh, uh, is, she shared this big, long, like, journal entry with us on the family thread last night which was about like this show that she was putting together for um you know some like kuna or some sort of like hawaiian tradition and so okay. the kids had come up with their hawaiian costumes and one of the mothers pointed out to her that that's appropriation and you can't yeah. do yeah. that yeah and it just made me sort of sad because I thought, well, okay, so there's a difference between appropriation and appreciation. Yeah. And in a way, I mean, yes, of course, a lot of that humor is really hostile and bullshit. Right. Yeah. That about it. But some of the humor, I don't know. I just think, you know, it's, it's, it's the pendulum swinging really far and maybe it's going to keep swinging that way. I don't know, but maybe it'll I think in in the case of Ruski's the the I feel like it's pretty darn accurate for the way I saw kids at that age. I was around the same age when that movie came out right. and I was talking to kids like that uh you know we had I had friends that now I would there's no way in hell now I would have friends where I was arguing constantly or battling each other or beating each other up but that was a thing that we we did not have a, a a sense of awareness like we have now, right. a sense of education. We we did not have teachers that would instill these, uh, uh, just a level of kind of experience. And, you know, I, I worked on a Pueblo in Taos uh, and with, with, with the people that live there and brought it back to my school. We're talking 2004, 2005, uh, no, 2007. And there were kids still at that age that were totally unaware of indigenous people still existing in this country. Right. And so that's a level of privilege that I wanted to kind of break down where they're yeah. stuck in this bubble, you know? Yeah. And I get that. I get that side of like, you don't want to offend anybody. And I totally respect that. I think there's also a level of like, okay, but how, so how can we incorporate this and still, convey this message of gratitude that we have uh for these different cultures and yeah. not come across as being offensive right i think there's there's a level of discussion there that it that definitely needs to happen yeah i mean you know and then she said that they're going to be having a us you know they do it in a circle and they i think yeah. they they went my kids went to uh new roads also do you i know almost taught there too David Bryan was just such an inspiration to my kids. You He's know? wonderful. Wonderful. And, um, they used to go up to Ojai uh, to the foundation up there and do the sweat tent and the circle. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So they really learn, uh, you know, that form of communication. New Roads is a wonderful school. Uh, I worked at Wildwood for a while and um, right. very similar in style. Sure. My son's, you know, it, it, there's a there's Smash, which is a local school here in Santa Monica. Exactly. I, I will say we started, he and I started watching Rus Ruskies together and he loved the opening of it. Uh, -oh. uh, he, had, he had to go to bed. So we started watching it and, and he, he asked who I was interviewing from the show. And I said, well, Dustin and I are interviewing this guy. He plays Misha. Yeah. And he's like, is he a good guy? I go, yeah, actually, he's probably the, the goodest guy yeah. in the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. As far as compassion is concerned. Yes. Yes. But, you, you know, you have to. Uh, God, that is really funny. That comes back to me. <laughs> Did, I, did you? I, I don't talk remember about my kids watching Ruskies. It's interesting. Oh, you got to show it to them. Yeah, they, well, I think they've seen it, but I don't remember them watching it. It's very, it's very pure in its like it's it, it's really no different than like ET or you know Encino Man or like a lot of those just kind of like fish out of water. Like there's even elements of like Back to the Future. It's like just trying to get home. Um, right. Misha doesn't know why he's there. You know, he's just following orders. And yeah. there's so many moments in that movie where I would like, I was like, I had to stop it. Cause like, whatever, I would just like pause it to go do something else. But I would always freeze frame on your face somehow in the most <laughs> joyful freeze frame ever. <laughs> oh, good. Like you'd just be like, like the happiest. I, and I, <laughs> yeah. And just such a pure, like, you know, just pure innocence. I mean, that really is, that really is what it is. Um, was that yeah. role, was that audition process, um, was that a long, arduous process? Well, no, it wasn't really, you know, it was definitely one of those things that came to me as, you know, a total surprise and out of the blue, uh, total, you know, I mean, I, I had done Top Gun, so it was like I was kind of on a track of auditions that people like i was getting a couple of offers on doing leads in movies that were you know like um commando films and stuff like that um but and then you know i guess because of the uh you know i had a little bit of uh that you know because i had whatever you get from being in the movie like top gun that was successful that year um, and I think it was like right after that I auditioned for that. I went off and did a North and South down in Natchez, Mississippi that, um, you know, I mean, things were kind of rolling, you know. And so when I went into this audition, I guess I was feeling, you know, pretty confident, except for that. I really I remember going in and trying this Russian accent and feeling like I had just totally botched it, you know. I really didn't know anything about it at all. And, um, and you know, that was the beginning of a long relationship with the director named Rick Rosenthal, who um, had come out of Harvard Film School, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. But his, um, and then he went to AFI. And I think after uh, AFI, he did the this, it was like, I think it was one of, the first films that Sean Penn really got some notoriety for. Um, you can tell me better than I know. Yeah, Bad Boys. But there, well, Bad Boys. 
but what it went what was the sequence there was it like fast times before bad boys fast times was before bad boys yeah okay and then also he did taps yep um but bad boys was like his big lead right and yeah. uh you know and he and it got good reviews i believe and so rick was in a you know i think he was kind of on the right on that path and and I think he gave the uh, Ruskies to Sean first. And Sean said, uh, well, okay, I might be interested in it if we just totally rewrite uh, the end, right? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And and maybe he wanted to rewrite more. I don't know. But uh, I think they were kind of deal breakers for Rick. And, mm. um, and then he decided to go into the audition process and you know the the thing is is that i kind of share a lot of the same sensibility with sean penn where i i definitely you know kind of see things the way he does as mm. as an actor i can't that's a probably about as far as i should take the, the you know the comparison because Not politically I, is what you you're know, saying. right but you know i i just kind of like i always what he does resonates with me and yeah so uh, you know, I kind of felt like I took on Ruskies with a little bit more of that sensibility, too, but I certainly didn't have the clout that he had at that time to make the suggestions. But what happened was that they set me up with this guy named Vladimir Skomorovsky, who was my dialect coach to begin with. And that's all he was supposed to be, except for that I just kind of locked in with the guy. And mm -hmm. we started hanging out all the time for the whole prep period. And uh, one of the last things that uh, Stephen Deutsch was the producer of that, and he asked me, what would you do to prepare for it in my last meeting with him? And I said, well, boy, I'd love to go to Russia. And he and they said, OK, we'll send you. And they gave me two tickets to go to Russia. And back at that time, it was right after Chernobyl. So oh, wow. you, know, oh, wow. you could do uh, you were still it was Gorbachev, it was Glasnost and you could still do you had to do a tour like you they were kind of like you'd come to Moscow and then you'd be taken to Leningrad or, you know, uh, then Kiev was on the tour. But, you know, since it was glowing yellow, we decided not to go there. <laughs> and, and Odessa was where my character Misha was from. And I just really liked the idea of being able to go to Odessa and walk the streets and find a school that would have been my school and smell the hallways yeah. and just walk. I don't Have you had the occasion to go back to your old school and see what that feels like? I went, my mm. father took me back to my old school the first time I introduced my wife to Michigan and we it was right around the corner. We're driving down the street around the corner and we look and where the school should be. And it's completely leveled. Oh. All there is is dirt. They had oh. literally just tore it down the week before. Right. And my father oh. goes and he gets, he digs in the ground and found a brick from oh. the school that was buried in the ground. Right. And he, beat and he you sent me it. that brick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he beat no, me he with it. Yeah. It. <laughs> from the Navy. Uh, <laughs> he, and he gives me this brick. I still have it to this day. And not to sound hokey or whatever, but I hold that brick and I'm like I'm holding my school, holding well, my childhood. There. Hokey, hokey. Okay. Well, I'll get, I'll top your hokey because Please. when I went to Russia, <laughs> what, so by the time I left there, 
uh, left for Russia, Vladimir Volodya was so, you know, like we were so tight that he gave me uh, a list of assignments. First of all, he gave me lists of all these people to look up. But then also when I got to Odessa, which is where his parents were buried, I had to go out and find, or no, maybe that was Moscow. I can't remember. But what he wanted was soil from the Black Sea. He, and, and I brought back this bag of soil for him. And I met him at the hotel room down in Key West when I got back. And he came into my room and he took this bag and he put his nose in it and his tears just. Oh, wow. Wow. And, um, you know, and that was the kind of connection I had with the guy. I also uh, located his grave way. uh, I mean, his parents' graves way out in the outskirts of uh, Moscow. He had not seen them uh, uh, since he had left and he really wasn't able to go back because he was in a group of artists that were kind of persona non grata in terms Mm. of being able to come and go, right? And uh, his friends were activists and stuff like that. So I, you know, I went there uh, and, you know, we have pictures of us toast. He wanted me to toast them with a bottle of vodka and have drink the vodka at their graves. And, and, you know, so that was like a real connection. And as soon as I got back to uh, Key West, Rick got wind of what was going on with me and Volodia. And he said, no, that's a different movie and canned. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. He was supposed to stick around to be my dialect coach. Yeah. But he did not want that sensibility. And that was when I recognized for the first time. Now, Rick would probably, if he were here on this interview, he would probably disagree with me. But that Mm -hmm. was my recollection of it was that he and I, didn't see eye to eye on the movie we wanted to make in that regard. I really, you know, it was much more of a, um, you know, those montages in Ruski's, the jump cut things. Yeah. You know, the 1980s thing. Of course. We can have it all if we make it true. Yeah. And that was not, you know, I mean, it's never been my kind of movie, I got to say, you know. But it was very popular at that time. It was kind of a template for a lot of kid movies. Right. And it and it and, you know, I get it. But that was the kind of movie he wanted to make. And hmm. I'm, I think it's unfortunate because the movie bombed, you know, and I yeah. think it could have done better if we had made a more substantial story, you know. Uh, well, Sheldon, Sheldon Ledich wrote the uh, screenplay, I believe. Right. Or yeah. it was his story. He we had him on the show. Uh, we talked briefly about Ruski's, uh, which he was very proud of. And was was disappointed as well in its yeah. success uh, or lack of. Um, and there are moments throughout the movie where you feel like this the tone could have easily shifted. Yeah. Yeah. I we mean, that's fe- substan- yeah. you know, Stand By Me was something to compare it to, I suppose. And that yeah. was a movie that really had some substance to it. Even right. though that's Carl, I mean, what's his name? Reiner, Rob Reiner, yep. right? Yeah, Rob Reiner, yep. And, you know... God, it's funny. You know, I mean, these, the dynamics you get into, I know that Rick is so resentful of Rob Reiner, you know, and mm. uh, 
you know there you know there are certain there are some people that you know he that i remember him because we he and i became really good friends as a matter of fact i'm his son's godfather i oh, mean wow. we became really good friends and uh, he helped me so much you know uh he really wanted to help me um i did uh life goes on with him do you remember that yeah of course uh a couple of times i think he wanted me to be on that show and i was like you know back in those days we all thought you know doing television was not the way to go we thought right. you know we we're gonna be sean penn right and uh, all of my buddies coming out from new york we all thought oh no we're not gonna do yeah that, you know and uh you know i remember there was a uh, thing i did called desperado which was a tv movie that they made a they they were they called it a wheel of tv movies do you remember that yeah they would have like eight or six or five of these of the same story so there was this character named dual mccall that uh <laughs> was the the hero of desperado and i remember going up for that and my roommate dale midkiff do you remember him and the oh yeah thing? um was up for it also so i lived in this uh apartment out on venice beach right on speedway plate glass window looking at the ocean you know oh, wow and you Beautiful. know but other than that it was like hotel california with the cottage cheese ceilings and the uh -huh. rug you know and um and it, and it was kind of a gross apartment but it was this whole complex that we all lived in like a whole bunch of new york guys came that's out that's fun Fisher Stevens was there and Willie wow. Garson and wow. Craig Sheffer and uh, Sheffer's brother, who he called Chef. I don't remember his first name. Um, my my buddies, Topper Lillian and Carol Cartwright, who I don't know if you've ever come across them. They are writers. Mm. Um, but, you know, and they're the kind of writers who just write nonstop. But things don't necessarily get produced but they get paid for what they're doing you know and although carol just had one uh that finally did really uh, came out um well first of all he did this movie uh called what Maisie knew based okay. on a henry james novel and uh then uh but he's my you know topper and carol are my oldest buddies from new york city when i was a little kid nice and we still Wild. remain close buddies um but, you know, so we were all in this apartment together and it was one of those, you know, it had the staircase going down and the little fountain in the middle. And it was like, you know, right down on 17th and Speedway in Venice. That's so wild. Cool. Right in the middle of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I remember Dale coming back from his last meeting on this Desperado thing. And I came back from mine and we had both been offered screen tests for it. And we had both turned the thing down. Mm. Oh, Can you for the lead role, <laughs> the lead role. And the moral of the story is that like four years later, I was playing Alex MacArthur's sidekick. He was the guy who took the job. Yeah. Alex MacArthur. He was in a great movie called Rampage. I believe William Friedkin directed that mm. way back when. Yeah. I think I remember that. Yeah. Played a serial killer or something. Right. Michael Bean. Anyways. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, Alex did a good job with it. Yeah. And I played his, you know, kind of this happy go lucky sidekick of his.
Charlie, Charlie Cates. Yeah, Charlie Cates. Yeah, there's a. It's a tremendous cast. Barnesworth was in it, and and uh, James Remar and Deborah Foyer, who had you know was Mickey Rourke's wife or something like that. Mm. I thought you were going to talk about Nasty Boys, the TV show, uh, the pilot you did for that. Um. Well. Yeah, that was fun. I love that show. I, it didn't last very long, but I remember that obviously yeah. the theme song was a ripoff of uh, Janet Jackson or an homage, I guess. They couldn't do it. It was like a cover, basically. Really? Couldn't get the I rights Dick to it. Wolf, yeah. Did Dick Wolf produce that? I think he did. Yeah, yeah. he did. Wow. It's it's a fun t- television. It came out in the early 90s. It might have been 90 or 91 when it came out. Right. Uh, it came out at the, at the height of like miami vice inspired type shows yeah and nasty boys were you know these good looking dudes who would go undercover to you know bust people and bust them bust you benjamin bratt was benjamin bratt okay yeah he's done well i guess benjamin hasn't he yeah he's poker face now and oh yeah that's right seen a lot of stuff but you're here with us, and uh, and and, you, and we get we get to talk to you about your career, and it's been a pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you. I yeah, I appreciate it. It was a lot. Of fun. <laughs> you see, you're you know, I'm so glad you're good guys. That means good. The boys will take us to the boat. There you go. There which you go. Which is uh, the only Russian I remember. <laughs> I mean, uh, America is so interesting. The poverty next to the great wealth, the, the difference is amazing, or something like that. <laughs> I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it five-star rating? (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great, too. And you can find us on the Internet. <laughs> Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.